Welcome to the Homegirls. Four top producing mega realtors, moms, wives, and friends talking about real estate and real life. Angela, Kristen, Jessica, and Lindsay are in the top 1% of all real estate agents and would be honored to receive your real estate referrals in Colorado. Join us as we drop a new episode every Monday anywhere podcasts are aired, in real life on YouTube, and connect with us every day on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at HomegirlsCO. Thanks for listening. We love you. Hey, everybody. Um, so today we're, we're back with the homegirls, and we just wanted to give you a little bit of information about us, what we are, what we're about, what we're going to be doing, um, just so you guys have an idea of what to expect. So the homegirls kind of started. We're four friends first, um, top producing realtors here in Colorado, moms, wives, business owners. So we do a lot. We wear a lot of hats. And so we thought it would be really important to show other women and men out there, you know, you're not alone. There's all kinds of things you can learn. We're still learning. We're here to give you guys some support, some inspiration, a little motivation, a little kick in the pants when you need it. Um, and we're just really excited to, to be part of your, your morning commute, your daily activities. Um, you know, we really appreciate the fact that you're taking your time to watch us and hopefully that will help you guys grow your businesses in, in turn. Um, so we've got all kinds of fun stuff up, coming up here in the next couple weeks, months, and this year. Um, so you're going to be seeing a whole lot of us, probably more than you might want to see, but you'll be seeing quite a bit of us. I think it'd be important for you guys to get to know us a little bit. So let's start with uh, Lindsay. So Lindsay, why did you get into the business? I have never done anything else. Um, this has always been my gig, my thing. So um, I was 17 years old and I had always loved to look at houses and I would go on the weekends and in off time from school to look at builder model homes. And I had walked into a sales office. I was getting ready to graduate high school and I walked into a sales office one day, just randomly here in Parker, Colorado, and said to the woman across the sales desk, Hey, how do you do this for a living? And she said, well, that's kind of funny that you ask because I'm actually just sitting here in the office today. I'm the VP of sales for uh, what at the time was the nation, nation's biggest home builder. Um, and she said, I'm hiring for a sales assistant. Would you like to come in and interview with me? So I did. And she gave me the job. She ended up being a, an amazing, amazing mentor to me for many, many years in the business. And from there, I worked all the way through about every different piece of the home building business that you can possibly be in. We started the very first online sales department with a builder in the United States. So the internet was just coming around and people were just starting to need to go online and you know looking at all the different communities and trying to find a house. And so we were the first in the entire country to realize, hey, there should be an entire person that works for the builder that just helps people kind of narrow down what they're looking for online and figure out how to get to the right place, to the right sales center, the right model homes. I worked in land acquisition for a while. I worked in marketing for a while. I mean, I, I was all over the board. Um, and then I worked my way on the sales side out of an assistant into what we call the sales associate and then up into sales management where I managed other people. Um, I met Angela at a, a company that outsources sales and marketing staff to smaller niche builders across the United States. And we had a couple really fun years working there together. Um, All kinds of fun stuff happened there. Yeah, that's, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> lots, of, lots of exciting stories we have. Yeah, Crazy times, yeah. Um, 
working for a small builder is very different than working for a big national corporation. So, but we met amazing people and it was really fun. Um, And then from there, I had um, my son and I was, the market had crashed or declined at that point. And I was, I was living in Southeast Aurora and driving to Colorado Springs every day. And that was, it was an hour and a half in the car every day there and an hour and a half back. And I was like leaving before he was up in the morning and coming home after he was in bed and it just wasn't great. And then on top of it, because the market was in such a bad place, I could sit in my sales office for three weeks at a time and not see a human being. Like I remember thinking at one time when I'd been up all night long with a newborn, like I could go upstairs into my model home and lay down in the master bedroom and take a nap. And literally no one would ever know that I was missing. (laughs) It was that slow. So um, I went out on the resale side of the business and I went straight into REO, which is about as different as you can possibly get from brand new, beautiful homes into, I mean, really sifting through crack houses and doing property evictions and like real crack houses, not like fake crack houses, right? Yeah, like, yeah real, real. Like crack has been smoked and dealt there. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no needles all over the floor. Like, so I would take Kalen, who's my son. I mean, he was, he was a brand new baby. I'd tie him up in one of those wraps and he would ride on my chest or on my shoulders with me. And we'd go do property inspections for Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac and HUD all day long. And um, the day that I knew that I had to get a nanny was the day that he started crawling in a hut home with needles all over the floor. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, we can't do this anymore. So yeah, I mean, that was a, it's really funny when I look back on that now, like there are some stories that I could tell that are terrifying. Like that was a dirty and scary way to make a living. But at that point it was just the only way that I had to make a living and I actually loved it. So I was doing about 15 million a year probably in REO and then that business changed. I mean, every time that you get your footing underneath you in real estate, it changes. It's very fluid. So, um, you know, I, I was one of the lucky few that was able to make the transition from a full-time REO business into what we would call traditional or regular real, real estate resale. So what do you think separated you from somebody else that maybe that REO transition would have stopped them from pursuing regular residential real estate and they probably would have gone and done something else. What did, what do you think it was about you that propelled you forward? They're very different businesses. If you've never been a part of REO, they're very procedure based and process based and everything gets done exactly the right way at exactly the right time. It's a lot of data analyzing. They're very, very different businesses. If you have relationships there with your asset managers at the banks, they're not with clients. Um, So a lot of, I mean, truly amazing people that I still am so inspired by weren't able to make the jump from an REO business to a traditional resale business. I have a marketing degree and marketing is what I've always been super passionate about. And so I always continued to market myself as a real estate agent, even during my REO days. So I was still working a traditional real estate business in tandem with my REO business. So I think for me, instead of a lot of these amazing agents who were like, oh my God, the the wheels just fell totally off REO. I have to start a whole new business. For me, it was just turn on this other different vertical. And that's something I think you'll hear the four of us talk about a lot. Um, Never pigeonhole yourself into one aspect or one vertical of the business, because if that changes, which it will, Mm -hmm. you're in trouble. So you went from home builders 
to REO back to essentially home builders because the market shifted. So when did you realize in the REO world when it was starting to shift? I never went back out on site, but I've always kept my relationships really closely with builders. And I do about 35% of my business comes from um, really close work with, with builders. But I mean, we all started to really read the writing on the wall when, so Denver statistically Colorado first, we go into the recession first and we come out of the recession first always. Mm -hmm. That's always been the way that we work. So we really lead the country into the shit and out of it. <laughs> um, and so, you know, when we started to notice it here, people across the country were still doing hundreds and hundreds of units in REO and they were like, what the heck are you guys talking about? But we were already really feeling it here. So it, I mean, you know, our accounts just started lessening and lessening. And um, a lot of it was talking to like the vendors that we worked out with. So the people that do trash outs that come in that clean the property out for the bank, the people that maintain the lawns, the people that do all of that kind of site work saying, hey, why aren't we getting more property assignments? Things are going down. And I mean, just studying, I love data, just studying, what was in the MLS and what was happening, you were just starting to see regular properties climbing and foreclosures and short sales going down. So what was your average sale price in the REO days compared to now? Oh my gosh, that's a great question. So I would say probably close to 250,000 during REO days. Um, yeah, probably close to 250,000. And right now I'm right above 550,000. So pretty dramatic wow. difference. And how many years span is that? Um, that would have been 2009 to 2019. So 10 years. Yeah. So when we tell people that real estate is the best investment, one of the best investments that you can make, we're not lying to you. This yeah. is a real thing. If you would have just bought that house in 2009 right now, you would have one hell of an investment just sitting there. Lots mm -hmm. of money in the bank, right? You might be in a different so living position. So, you know, when we're telling you and giving you the market advice, it's not coming mm -hmm. from a place of, oh my God, we have to sell a house because we don't. We're telling you that because we want you to help grow your assets and get yourself some wealth and provide for your family. Like, that's why we're telling you that we're not desperate. We're not those type of people. So see, what areas of, of Colorado do you cover? I call it the East coast. <laughs> it's like this little strip that runs down the Eastern side of town. I mean, truly I will go anywhere for a, you know, a great client or friends of mine, but really where I'm at niche wise is um, Aurora, Parker, and then Castle Rock. And over the years, I've strangely ended up with a, a very strong business up in Arvada and Lakewood, which is like Northwest as well. But well, and I know you do Brighton too. I do. <laughs> I'm a occasion. traveling girl. Yeah, I um I put somewhere between twenty-seven and thirty thousand miles on my car a year. Ooh, Lord. Okay. Um. So, what would you say has been something in your business that you wish that you would have started or knew? Um, sooner? Like what would have you done sooner had you known that it would be a positive outcome? I would have learned to ask for help sooner. Um, you know, in the real estate wor world or in business in general, you would call that leverage. Um, yeah. You know, I went from times in my life where I was a single mother and where I had to choose between 
buying diapers for my child and keeping the lights on in my apartment. And I know that a lot of us have that same story, but I had very, very, very difficult times. And so I have a lot of scarcity and anxiety and just really from the way that I was brought up to around keeping everything under control all the time. But as my business has grown, that has turned into, you know, in 2018, my team did 290 units and I did 222 of them myself. And it came at, I mean, I can't even explain how high of a cost personally for me. Um, Was it worth it? No. I know that's, a, that's an interesting question. Um, you know, I met amazing people and I love the people that I worked with. And I, I don't want people to hear this and think that I'm being snotty because I feel so incredibly blessed to have been given those opportunities, but it destroyed pieces of my life for sure. Um, I just read this thing the other day about, I'm not going to say it perfectly, but a quote about how, you know, work is a rubber ball. So you can toss it up in the air and it will bounce back if you give it attention. But there are other balls in your life that are made of glass that are not rubber like that. Your relationships, your self-care, your health. And so, you know, I guess I just thought everything was a rubber ball like that. You know, I'd, I'd work, 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 work. And then I would give attention to these other things when I had time to give attention to those things. But some of those shattered and are irreparable. And um, I don't think that it was worth it. I think that I, I should have listened to my coaches. I should have listened to my teachers. I should have gotten more leverage and gotten more help so that my business could continue to expand down that road, but it didn't come at such a high cost personally. What have you put in place for this year that will help you overcome that so it doesn't happen again? Yeah, um, I have an amazing transaction coordinator. I couldn't live a day without her. She's like, I can't even tell you how wonderful she is. Um, so she steps in and steps up and helps. Um, I'm a Keller Williams agent and in Keller Williams in our system, we have a, a system called um, career visioning. It used to be called recruit select, but um, my goal is to take that five times this year if I have to travel to see it or if it comes here because um, while I've had many staff pieces and employees and buyers agents and admins and all the things, um, I've never been able to slow down enough to take the time to hire the right people and put the right people in the right seats on the bus. So that's my biggest goal for this year. I think 2020 for me is a go slow to go fast year. So, um, so who do you, you know, have on your team right now? What does your team look like? Do you have any buyer's agents currently or just your transaction coordinator right now? No, I don't. So currently it's me and my transaction coordinator. Okay. Um, when I came off the year in 2018, there was a lot of personal stuff going on with me and going on with my team. And so I made the decision to, to start all over fresh again. And it was definitely the right decision. I did not have the right people um, in the right seats doing the right things. And I did not have people that were with me that were committed to the vision. And part of that is for sure my fault as a leader. And part of it is for sure my fault that I didn't spend the time to choose the right people. So um, last year I spent the entire year going through every piece of technology, every system that I use, every template, every everything, all my profit and loss statements, everything, making sure that everything was 100% tight and exactly the way that I wanted. And now this year is all about um, setting the foundation and getting confident in bringing in the right people so that it's done the right way. Something I want everybody to understand is Lindsay, 
is an incredibly successful, what we call a mega agent. And probably if there's a better terminology for it, it would probably be a mega, mega, mega agent. Okay. So <laughs> most people like Keller Williams or companies like that will call someone that sells $6 million a year plus a mega agent. So if Lindsay's doing how many hundreds of millions are you doing? Like about 150 million. 150? Yeah. 250 million. Um, oh, one, you, 150. 150. Yeah. yeah. 150 million. I mean, I hope that you do do 250 um, in some point, but that's, that's a hell of a lot of stress. Um, but I want people to understand what that, what that means is most realtors across the country on average, what would you girls say that most realtors sell in a year on average? The statistic is what I think like 2.5 houses or something. It's uh -huh. really, think it's really like shockingly low. Very low. Yeah. yeah. Doesn't so, even cover your realtor dues. Why do you think that is? Why do you think that people get into real estate and then proceed to only sell 2.5 homes in a year? Because they think it's that? easy. They think it's easy. They watch HGTV and think that we show three houses and they get to collect a really cush commission check and that's not the truth. They don't know that you're wading through a crack house full of needles, selling homes, listing houses with your kids strapped to your chest. Yep. That's not what they see. So that's another reason why we are here. I want to show everybody what real estate is really like. It's not as sexy as they make it look. It's not as easy as anyone says it is. This is a tough business yes. in general, but then you add the woman factor. Okay. Um, we get a little bit different treatment as women. We have a couple of extra things that are expected of us. So we're going to go over all of that stuff. So Lindsay has built a business that sells $150 million in real estate in one year. Okay. I want you guys to understand what that is. That is massive amounts of business. It's phenomenal. One person and a transaction coordinator. Okay. So well, to put it into perspective though, for people that aren't in our market, we have 23,000 agents in the Denver area. I think it is within our MLS. Lindsay has consistently ranked in the top 50 for production. Most of the teams that are in that upper echelon have 30, 40, 50 people on a team. She did this on her own. Right. I say that because she's the most humble real estate agent you're ever going to meet. And she will never tell anybody that. And so I feel like as your friend, I'm going to shout from the rooftops because yeah. I find you to be absolutely incredible. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you guys. I was number one in the whole Denver Metro area, number three in the state for a few years, but. And she doesn't run like a whole brokerage under her name, right? So no, it's her no, production. No, but it was, I mean, um, it was hard. It, it hurt some things that I can't fix. And so I, this year is about me and what's next and how can I be both? How can I be a badass business owner and not sacrifice my entire life for it too? It's real. It's real shit. It is. So we know that you sell real estate. We know that you like to do what you do. What do you do personally? Like, tell us about your family. Like, what do you do? Yeah. So I have a nine-year-old. His name's Kalen. He is the coolest kid in the entire world. He's super smart. He is. He's cool. Um, I'm very high, high, high D and high I, and that kid is all C and he is so smart. It makes my brain hurt. <laughs> Challenges me all the time. Um, I, it's winter right now and we're in the middle of a massive snowstorm as we're recording this. So I work during the winter time so that I can play during the summertime. I mean, I'm obviously still working all summer long, but um, I, aver I 
add extra leverage pieces in the summertime so I can go play because I love to camp and boat and fish and do all kinds of outdoorsy things during the summertime. Um, I'm a huge reader. This is my fourth, fifth year, I can't even remember. Uh, I read a book a week, so I'm super committed to that. I listen to podcasts, um, really big on mindset stuff. I'm a giant nerd. I love comic books and superhero movies. That's awesome. Okay. Yes. Okay. Do you like on the weekends when you have like nothing going on, what do you watch? Do you watch anything? Oh yes, ma'am. What do you oh, want? yes. Yeah, Jessica and I are usually texting each other at about 11, like some, somewhere between 10 and midnight about what we're watching. Um, yeah, I watch a lot of crappy reality TV. <laughs> so do I. <laughs> I okay. love those Kardashians. I can't I help do it. Too. <laughs> they're going to have to come on our show because I think we, like, we've been three, three or four episodes now and they're in, we've mentioned them in every episode. So right? we, they're going to have to come on as guests or we're going to end up owing them like trademark fees. Or something. <laughs> Probably. Um, come after us. Yeah, totally. I love what else? I mean, I, I watch, okay. I love action. If somebody is crying or there's romance, I hate it. And I want to throw up. <laughs> if somebody is dying and there's blood. Yay. Yeah. Same. same. <laughs> weird, weird person. Yeah. So Lindsay, what do you, what would you say is like one of those like quotes that you live by? Like what is something that like, other than that's what she said that anytime we hear it, we're going to think of Lindsay. <laughs> Um, pressure makes you fresher. So that oh, actually came, yeah, that came from that mentor that I was speaking about that brought me into the business and mentored me in the business. She would always say that, um, you know, when stuff was getting really tough, like iron sharpens iron and pressure makes you fresher. So just keep going because you're, you're learning and you're getting better, even though it sucks. I like it. And who is that mentor, Lindsay? What are, who are your mentors? Who do you look to for advice? Who's your like brain trust, you know? Like who are those people and what would you tell them if they were listening? And they better be listening. <laughs> um, I mean, certainly the four of you guys have been hugely instrumental and inspiring in my life. Um, that mentor, her name is Ruth Rowley. Um, she was probably the first extremely strong woman in business that I met. Um, you know, she was president of sales for the nation's number one home builder, which is an enormous job. And, um, you know, she did it, she did it so well and I loved her. And she was, she was like, she was one of those bosses that would be down there with you in the trenches. And that's what I loved about her. Like I've worked for a lot of people over the years who tell you what to do, but don't do it alongside you. She's a beast. Like no one works harder than that woman. Um, Lisa Blake is somebody who can be polarizing. I'm just saying it. I love you, Lisa. <laughs> but um, she is somebody who I, I love. Um, I mean, she literally saved my life back in those 2010, 2011 years. And she taught me a lot. Um, other people that I look up to, Ben Kinney, I love. Um, Kevin Kaufman and his partner, Fred. Um, I mean, there's so like, there are so many Cody Gibson is another one. There's so many incredible business owners in this business that I love to watch. Tony Robbins and <laughs> can't remember his name to save her life. <laughs> that guy. That guy Tony. I at least got that guy, Tony. Yeah. <laughs> My homie, Tony. I just made that up. <laughs> I would say that when I think of Lindsay and what she's accomplished in the last year, I think of a couple of words and it's, it's almost like a quote. I, I would say that it's 
with tremendous success comes massive sacrifice. And I hope for you that in this next year, you're oh. able to have massive enjoyment and massive fun and all of that stress and that sacrifice turns into something beautiful for you. So um, it is a quote. It makes me want to do the <laughs> Spider-Man thing. It's totally <laughs> Spider-Man, right? We're both, we're all like kind of a little nerdy when it comes to that. Lindsay likes, Lindsay, you're like Star Wars, aren't you? I am into Star Wars. I do like Star Wars. Are we allowed to talk about that? Angela's husband, Josh, is like the Star Wars king. So I feel like if I don't say I'm into Star Wars, he's going to come over here and like, um, I'm a Marvel, Marvel girl. So like, I, I think I got my first Batman comic, which is obviously DC, but at younger than Kaylin's age and just never stopped reading them. So I'm a super I'm, comic book superhero nerd. I'm a comic book person too. I'm into, um, I mean, my car is named Natasha Romanoff, the Black Widow. So nice. I'm kind of into that too. So, yeah, um, so Jess, what would you say? Jess, Jess is from Cas Castle Rock. She's all over that area. Jess, what areas do you service typically? Like, what are your specialties? So I do what we call the West Coast. <laughs> is there a gang sign for this? Is I know, right? <laughs> you guys should have gang signs. You gotta do something. I yeah. can't, I can't. I'm not real good at the East. I gotta work on that. No. <laughs> yeah. I tend to throw up the wrong one, so I'm not going to. We'll figure something out. Um, so I primarily service um, the west side of town, which is, uh, I, we just moved to Castle Rock from Littleton. I was born and raised in Littleton and we moved to Castle Rock two years ago. So really the bulk of my business is still on the west side of town. Um, so Littleton, Highlands Ranch, Lakewood, Golden. Um, and then obviously now that I'm establishing myself down here in Castle Rock, I have, I'm starting to get a decent amount of business down here as well with name recognition. Okay. Um, so Jess is an independent um, type of agent. So she works for a brokerage, but she's on her own solo, doesn't have a team, right? Can you tell us a little bit about what your production looks like? Um, how many tractions that equates to in your area? So I did 41 last year, um, right around $15 million in volume, give or take. 99% um, of my business is sphere-based. I think growing up here, um, obviously that helps. The other piece of that too is it's, we've talked about this before. I'm super known as this FISBO agent. So when we first moved to Castle Rock, I had to get my name out into the Castle Rock community. So the easiest, fastest way for me to do that was to go after FISBOs. Um, so I focused primarily on for sale by owners here in Castle Rock. And I who helped you with that. Huh? Who helped you with that? No one. I literally was like, I, this is what I need to do. So I made a challenge to myself. This was in January of 18 that I was going to get eight listings in Castle Rock in eight weeks. And I didn't know what it looked like. And I didn't know what I was going to do. And I had never called a FISBO in my life and made the decision. And I think I actually, back then I had messaged Kristen to help me to figure out what this looks like. And so Kristen actually, I think unknowingly helped me do this um, with her advice. And so I managed to get eight listings in eight weeks here in Castle Rock to establish my name very quickly. Um, and get my business moving on this side of town. That's awesome. <clears throat> so Kristen also specializes in FISBOs and that kind of thing as well. Yeah. Um, Kristen's in a different part of town though. So Kristen's in Pueblo. Does anyone know where Pueblo is? <laughs> Super south. Tell us where it is, Kristen. Okay, so I am about two hours south of Denver uh, and Castle Rock and about 40 minutes south of Colorado Springs in a city called Pueblo born and raised here. Um, I've never left and I love it here. 
uh, got into real estate in high school, kind of like uh, Lindsay did. I had just got fired from a position and I didn't know what to do. And so I walked into a real estate firm and I said, I want a job. So they gave me a receptionist job for the weekend because I was still in high school. Got a receptionist job on the weekend and then during the week whenever they needed me. And after working a year there, I wanted to step it up. So I asked for an assistance job for anybody in the office and that particular office rejected me. So I started looking and an ad came out in the newspaper for uh, assistant position in real estate uh, by the name of Kevin Cooter. And I applied with him. I we always uh, laugh when you say his name and I, I know, I know. I'm sorry, Kevin. It's okay. It's okay. He'll get a laugh out of it. He'll be a guest on our show at some he, point. He I don't know if we can earn right to be on the homegirl show. I'm he not will, gonna be able to be on that show. <laughs> <laughs> he will get a laugh at it. He's he's a fun guy. Um, but I was his assistant for eleven years. Um, throughout that eleven years, he begged me to get my real estate license and I told him no. At that time I was doing all his short sales. He was doing REOs and I was doing his short sales. So every time a listing would come in, anything that came in at that time was either an REO or a listing or a, a short sale. So I would work his short sales. I was doing anywhere between eight and 10 short sales a month for him. That sounds like hell. It, it was, it was, it absolutely was. If anybody doesn't know what a short sale is, it's like a regular transaction, but hell. Um, yeah. And then it takes like 10 times as long. Yeah. Like a normal transaction and yeah. it's like a bunch of squirrels running in 19 different directions and none of them ever end up in the right place right 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 is that i feel like it is yeah. i did perfect two i think i've done two yeah so i did that and then uh about five years ago my husband and uh, his father shut down the company business and my husband decided to open up a property management company with we had maybe ten thousand dollars in our account savings and all. So I was a little bit freaked out. Um, I had gotten my real estate license and I'm like, how are we going to live off of sales? Both of us, like, how are we going to do this? So at that time we decided to join forces and hold our license at Keller Williams. Uh, he owned, we both own and operate the property management company and we also do sales as well. So what's your average purchase price in Pueblo, Colorado? If there's any investors out there looking. So right now, the city of Pueblo's average uh, sales price is about one eighty-five, and that's one hundred eighty-five thousand U.S. dollars. <laughs> yeah, I know. Probably um, the most affordable city in Colorado. It is. Right? It, it is. Yeah. Um, and then the county, which is Pueblo West and uh, the Mesa, is about two twenty-five. So, wow. Yeah. So we still we're still affordable here. So. How far up is that from where it was during the downturn, though? Because you guys must have taken a huge guys, hit too. You guys are gonna so Pueblo West uh, is a newer community. It was up and going right before the downturn, before the crash. It was up and coming. You literally can buy a thirty-two hundred square foot home for a hundred and twenty thousand. Right now, a thirty-two hundred square foot home, again depending on where, is between two seventy-five and three fifty. So yeah. And Kristen, how many transactions do you guys do? So it's you and your husband on a team and I think your mom works for you or something, right? Yeah. So we have, it's my husband and I who do sales and he does our property management. And then my mom is our office manager. She handles our books and she handles our property management company. And then we have an assistant who helps my mom. And you guys are you have a transaction coordinator though, right? No. And I need one. <laughs> I do. You guys are high school sweethearts, right? 
you and Eric. Yeah, so I met Eric my junior year in high school. We didn't go to high school together. We met outside of high school and we've been together ever since. We're both 30, he's 35, I'm 34. So yeah. Wow. High school sweethearts. So how many transactions do you guys do in one year together? So uh, we do anywhere between 70 and 85 units um, and we do about 15 million. Okay. Yeah. And to give you guys an idea, Jess does about the same production amount, but she's only doing 41 transactions a year. I'm not saying only, but right. Kristen to get that amount of production has to work twice as hard, right? Right. Sell twice as many houses, right? Right. So yep. um, to give you guys an idea of what that looks like, because I like to make sure people understand how many actual transactions it is, because that is kind of a big deal. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. right. Well, as house prices go up, your amount of money that you're selling every year is going to go up. Your, your purchase price is going to go up, but right. um, that's just economics. But um, <laughs> Jess, why on earth did you get into real estate? Um, so full transparency, I was probably the agent we all hated. I'm going to just sell one or two houses a year. And that was going to be it. So, um, my husband is actually the OG realtor in the Lentz house. <laughs> um, Ian and his grandfather actually owned one of the top real estate brokerages in Littleton um, back in, his grandpa opened it in the seventies and they'd been working, you know, in the real estate realm until he passed away in 2006. So I had a little bit of exposure to it. Certainly nothing like you guys did. Um, I was working for uh, an orthopedic surgeon out of Seattle from home here in Colorado and they brought my position back in house. And so we made the decision that I was going to be a stay at home mom. And, um, that was going to be what I did that lasted six weeks before I was bored out of my mind and had to make a decision on what I was going to do. So my husband said, I always felt like you would be really good at real estate. And I said, no, because like, <laughs> it did. I mean, it's not at awful to me. Um, so I used, I actually used my unemployment checks from Seattle to pay for my real estate license. Cause I was like, yeah, whatever. It's free money. Like we'll see what happens. So I got my real estate license in 2013 and I joined Keller Williams also, um, that year I went from, you know, the mentality of one or two deals a year to being the rookie of the year. The first year that I was in real estate, um, I closed 6 million very, and I hate to say very easily, but it was easy for me. And I found very quickly that this was something that I was not only good at, but that I genuinely loved and enjoyed and liked doing. And um, so from that, um, I became a productivity coach at Keller Williams a couple of years after I got my real estate license, which looking back on it, it's kind of a joke because I shouldn't have probably been in that role. We talk about hiring the right people. Um, with that said though, that role allowed me to ignite this like love for training and coaching that I have now. And so I'm super thankful that I was given that opportunity, even if it wasn't the right time, it was an incredible opportunity, opportunity for me to explore something that I would have never even thought about. Like it opened up my eyes that real estate isn't just always selling houses and churning deals. It can be so much bigger and you can you can get genuine enjoyment and fulfillment and you can help people in other ways other than just you know achieving this american dream that we talk about and so um now i'm at a small boutique brokerage here in town with my old team leader from keller 
Um, he opened up his own brokerage and I, I've always just had a lot of respect for him. And so I made the decision to go over there when I left Keller. Um, and through all of that, my real estate business has grown exponentially year over year. And I started a coaching business from home kind of haphazardly, if we're being honest, I was involved with another group that I was helping coach and it just wasn't the right fit. And through that, people would reach out to me for help. And so I, I started this very, <laughs> I mean, uh, unplanned coaching company that's kind of grown, um, on its own that I'm really proud of. So why do you think that you are driven to coach? I think it comes from that place of fulfillment, right? Like there has to be something more that fulfills you. And I think we talk a lot about women. I only coach women, um, just to be totally transparent. I relate to them. I don't relate to a guy who's able to get up at four o'clock in the morning and, and go run his day and go to the gym. I, I'm not that person. So I don't That's Kristen. Value to offer them. <laughs> huh? That's Kristen. <laughs> <laughs> well, Eric's home. I mean, my husband travels for work. He works for the railroad now. He's never around. So I really, you know, even though I'm not a single mom, I am. And so, um, I coach other women. It brings me, I am more proud of these women when they call me and I know that they hit their goals and they took their kid to Disney world and to know that I was a part of that, or I gave them something. And I run a really cheap business. Like we always joke and say like, I'm Jewish. And so I'm cheap, <laughs> but I think like that translates into any market, right? Like the things that I do are easy to train other people on and right. To help a woman who I've coached a lot of stay-at-home moms who've never worked a day in their life and they're now, you know, making 150000 a year, that's life-changing dollars and have those conversations and to be able to be a part of that journey. For me, it really is outside of like your kids and how great your kids are. For me, it's probably the most fulfilling part of my life. What would you be doing if you weren't a realtor? Like what, what would you want to do? So I have a biology degree and I actually got my biology degree um, with the idea that I was going to go into um, medical research. My little sister had cancer when she was two and it was something that always intrigued me. Um, so once I graduated from uh, college with my biology degree, I applied on a whim to nuclear medicine school um, in Seattle and I got accepted. And Angela also has her nuclear medicine degree, which is well, I don't have a degree. I was Polar. in the Air Force. I can't do college. Mm -mm. <laughs> I'm in high school. So um, I was in the Air Force and, and I did nuclear medicine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, and it, the, the fact like it's such a specialized thing and there's not many people who do it. Yeah. The fact that two of us were in that realm is really weird. Like right. the second you said, I watched you on a pot, it was with Greg Fowler. And I did mm. this about you because we weren't good friends at the time. And I was like, how is this chick? What? Like who else has nuclear medicine? This is bizarre. Um, so honestly, if I wasn't doing real estate, I think I would still be involved in the medical world in some way, shape or form. I worked in medicine for 14 years before I got my real estate license. Um, and I love that world. And I love the science. Like I'm a science geek when it comes to this, we always say, so my oldest is 19. I had him when I was 18. Um, and we always say he's such a science dork because instead of getting read like nursery stories and Dr. Seuss, Colin got read biology books, guys. Like, that's, I would rock him in the rocker at 18 in college and he would get read biology books and, and English books and whatever else. So we always say that's why Colin's so smart. Wow. I didn't have that. I wish I would have had that. Um, 
I did not do well in school at all. Um, I barely passed and that was my only goal was to get out of it as quickly as possible. So um, that's what I did. <laughs> I could not bear the thought of doing four more years of that. That would be terrible for me. I was the same exact, I, I knew in high school that I was never, ever, ever going to step foot in a college. I didn't even put an application in. College for me is very telling of my personality. Um, I got pregnant at 17. I had a baby at 18 and I was told your life is over. You're going to be on welfare. You can't go to college. I don't really know if I wanted to go to college if we're being honest, but it became like this kind of an F you to everybody that not only was I going to go to college and have this baby and do all these things that you're going to tell me that I can't do, I'm going to do it really well. Like I graduated college with a 3.95 GPA with a baby working full time. And so I just think it's so telling of my personality that I would literally go to four years of school, Out of spite. just show somebody I did it. And here I am all these years later, not using said degree, <laughs> but I, I think we're all like that. I mean, I definitely am like that. The best way to get me to do something is to tell me I can't do it. So, yep. 100%. Mm -hmm. um, so who are your mentors in business and life? Like, who do you look to? Um, you know, it's funny for me. I, for me, it's probably, um, I was blessed with the most amazing grandparents in the world. Um, and so everything from the time I was super young, I always was driven by making my grandparents proud. And so that's something that still sticks with me today. Like they've been gone. Both of them have been gone for quite some time now. And I always think to myself, whenever I do something, would this make them proud? Would this make them proud of me? And so I think for me, as much as like, I would love to sit here and tell you guys, I have all these really amazing like business people and all these really great inspirations. Sometimes for me, I'm, I think I'm a little more simple when it comes to some of this stuff. It's all about family for me. And so as long as I'm making my family proud and I'm making my immediate friends around me, including you guys proud of what I'm doing. That's what, that's what inspires me. And that's what keeps me going. So Jess has this incredible, um, thing that she does every single day. She still runs a tremendously successful real estate business and she does it even while she's taking her kids to school, picking her son up from school. And that's a non-negotiable for her. Like, what does your day look like? Like, do you schedule stuff outside of that or is that it? Um, very rarely. No. I mean, the answer is no. So right now, um, Hayden, I'm sorry. Um, our timer is <laughs> sorry. Um, right now Hayden doesn't start school until nine. So Hayden's my youngest, he's 10. Um, and we always, for me, I always think about me being a parent in two different realms. Um, Colin, my oldest, my 19 year old, we grew up together. And so, uh, there's a lot of really large mistakes that happen with having a baby at 18. Um, there's a lot, there's an even bigger learning curve when you have a child at 18 than there is at any other point in your life. And so because of that, it has clearly made me what I think is a much better parent to Hayden. I wasn't around to take Colin to school. He had to go to daycare. He had to do, he had to grow up a little bit quicker and yeah. be sufficient. And so with Hayden, it has always been a non-negotiable for me that I'm going to be there every step of the way, which obviously translates well for Colin because when I got into real estate, Colin was 11. So kind of moving into his teen years, Colin finally got the opportunity to have a mom. 
Um, and so because I didn't have all of those things with Colin, it's made me really appreciate the time that I have with him and being in a career that allows me the flexibility. So it is a non-negotiable for me. I don't start work until after I take Hayden to school, which so I'm not typically in the office, which is right here until 930. Um, I'm typically done working every day by 330 because I pick him up. I go to baseball practice. I go to football practice. I never missed they're actually outside the door right now throwing things at each other that <laughs> I'm distracted, but they're literally, throwing, so I'm sorry. Um, but I've never missed either boy, even when I was working full time at a regular job, I've never missed a football game, a baseball game, um, a wrestling tournament. And that's something that has always been important to me. We have dinner together every night as a family in some way, shape or form. If it was up to me, we'd have Chick-fil-A every night. I hate cooking. <laughs> but we sit down every night as a family and that for me is an absolute non-negotiable I can the kids are going to be gone soon right like I have a 19 year old I know how fast it goes um they're going to be gone soon yeah that's just the reality of it the days are long but the years are short is very much something that I live and die by with these kids and I don't want to look back and say that I was so busy helping someone that doesn't remember my name 10 years down the road over my children Remember that. Remember that. Everybody who's watching this podcast, if you want to pick up your phone and go show a property and you're at your son's soccer game, don't do it. Don't do it. It's just not worth it. This, nope. this, this is time you cannot get back. And yeah. if there's anything that, you know, like I said, I, having a baby at 18 changes your perspective very quickly on motherhood. And when you're given the opportunity to be a mom again in a space where you can truly be a mom, it opens your eyes to really the things that are important. What would you tell a young mom that's just starting her career? Like what, what advice would you give? In real estate? In general. Oh God, <laughs> so much. I mean, I don't even know. Um, honestly, I think it just comes back to kind of what I was just saying. The days are long and the years are short. Like all of this other shit, cause really at the end of the day, it's all shit it can wait. Your kids can't. And you don't get this time back. You don't get a do-over. You get a do-over with the listing because there's going to be another listing. Yep. There's not another Colin at nine years and four months who wants to go slutting with you. And there's not another Hayden who you get to pick up from school every day on Friday afternoon. And we jam out to crisscross every Friday when I pick them up. <laughs> thing. Um, you don't get that back. So for me, it's, um, really put your non-negotiables and your boundaries in place and never, ever stray from that. So you were telling me this morning when we were talking, so we have a huge snowstorm happening right now outside. You guys might not see it, but there's one here. So Jess was telling me- this That's why the kids are outside my door driving me crazy. I don't <laughs> boys right now. It's not just my kids. We have a house full of boys right now. <laughs> um, so you were telling me this morning that you guys and your family and your grandpa or your dad or somebody like took you out uh, at midnight for like snow sledding or something. Tell yeah, us about so when I was a little girl, my dad always has like these crazy things. Right. And when I was little, he would, it has, it has to be perfect. I think like, that's the thing that I'm going to share with you guys the most about midnight sledding. It has to be perfect. There has to be a full moon. There has to, I think we're going to have a guest appearance really fast. <gasps> I'm actually hoping that she, by the way, I have a reminder in my calendar to ask her and harass her later tonight about <laughs> going because it's a full moon. It's a super moon. So it's going to be extra bright and we have a ton of snow. So, so it has to be there. a certain consistency of snow. The moon has to be out. It has to be clear and it can't be windy. 
That's awesome. These conditions in Colorado have to come together perfectly. So you are lucky to get a midnight sledding. And Hayden will tell you, I mean, while he's here, um, we go midnight sledding and it's the most fun thing in the whole world. We've only done it once at the new house. I've only done it. Yes. So we so you might get to do it tonight. Are you super amped about it? Yeah. Yeah. And I think a house full of boys to do it with tonight too because they heard me talking about it with him this morning and now everybody wants to <laughs> Hayden we're gonna have to drag your mom out <laughs> oh there's no dragging we'll do it um but this is the stuff that I love like for me this is such a like I kind of like that this happened because this is a very real like my life right. on a daily basis um my house is always filled with kids the kids come here and they make themselves at home they go in my pantry we have we are the sands club king very organized pantry <laughs> my very organized pantry but the and the kids all know throw your trash away no shoes on the like they know how this house runs but they love being here and that is what truly like this is like sitting here watching them put on all their snow gear to go outside and play like this is what makes my heart sing awesome Kristen what are your kids doing today or what's your son doing today for snow day well, he's actually at Nana and Papa's every Friday. Oh. My, my kid is a four-day four day week here in Pueblo um, for school. So Fridays he has off. Um, and every Friday he goes to Nana and Papa's because that's his thing. I swear if I told him to move out and go to Grandma's, he would do it in a heartbeat. <laughs> so her son and his schedule, Kristen's son and, and his schedule, he does so much stuff. And that kind of drives your business, right, Kristen? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm like Jessica. There's no there's, I'm not going to show a house when I have to pick my kid up from school. Like I'm picking my kid up from school before I go show a house. Like that is, that's my thing. I, I leave the house at 7 a.m. I drop him off at 7.30. I'm in the office by 7.40. Um, and I'm working all the way up until 2.15 and then I'm picking him up. We come home, we do homework, we do swimming, we do dinner. And then on the weekends we do motos. So nine times out of 10, I'm normally taking Friday uh, afternoon all the way till Sunday evening off because of motos and swimming and, and stuff. What is motos? Moto, motocross. My son races uh, motorcycles, dirt bikes. That's terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. It's very terrifying, but my husband wants him to do it and he loves it, so. By the way, we should all, I was thinking about this, it's very random, but we should go to the X Games this year. Let's, in let's go. All together, because we let's all have go. these crazy children that would love to do that. My right? kids would love to go and sit and watch your kids be excited by that while they're on their phones. <laughs> Angela's son is so smart. smart and especially technologically. So I think if we told him build a camera from scratch so He'd that we can record So we can film Cade. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He would do that. Let's do yeah. that. Out of random parts that he finds in a parking lot. That's totally. basically my son. Yeah. So Angela, tell us about you. Like what's, where are you located? Tell us about you. I'm in Colorado Springs, um, Colorado. So I'm just north of Kristen and I'm like the, I'm like the good part of the Oreo between um, <laughs> Kristen and Lindsay and Jess. So I'm like right in the middle there. Um, so Colorado Springs is growing so fast, um, super quickly. Um, I'm, like I said, prior military, I was in the Air Force. Um, I basically devoted my entire career to serving our military because when I was in the Air Force and I was doing nuclear medicine, I got out early because I couldn't right. handle it. I couldn't handle the stress. And so the only way that I could think of to give back and help our military was to make sure that I was involved in the biggest purchase of their life. And that's why I only work with military folks. Um, if you're not military, you can work with one of my, one of my other awesome agents, but um, I, I choose to only work with them because I couldn't do what they do every day. 
literally. I couldn't. I tried and I couldn't. So tell us what you run because like you don't have a team. You have a brokerage, correct? No, we have a family. Yeah, it's a brokerage. Um, it's called Mackenzie Jackson. Mackenzie and Jackson are my crazy children. Um, and we do, we have agents. Um, last year we had 12. Um, this year we're starting over. Uh, last year I took a position where I was going to take over a larger brokerage. And um, it wasn't the family atmosphere that I wanted and I needed in my life. Um, I worked really hard to get to where I am and I, I have a lot of non-negotiables myself. And one of those is I'm not gonna work somewhere where it doesn't feel like family. Um, and the family aspect is something I was missing. So we went back um, and started over. And so we're rebuilding our family now and it's really exciting um, for us. So we get to pick and choose exactly who we want and it's been really super awesome and fun. So rebuilding um, and failure is not necessarily a bad thing. I fail all right. the time. I just fail forward. So. Right. Exactly. So what do you do? You have, how many kids do you have? Like, tell I us about you, thank God. Okay. <laughs> we're done. Yeah. Uh, Boy and a girl, not trying to be greedy. We got two. We're good. Yep. Yeah. I hear you. I hear you. And Mackenzie is the only homegirl like girl. Mackenzie yeah. is basically a mini mommy. Um, Jackson, I don't, think I actually had him but Josh swears to God he's mine so <laughs> um, he looks just like my husband he's basically mini my mini version of my husband so very techy super smart um he learned at a very young age that I couldn't help him with homework and he had to go to dad so nice. uh, but super cool kids very very blessed to have them so so what do you do on extra time when you're not selling real estate what do you do uh race my car what kind of car um I have a bright teal Tiffany blue Corvette and I race it at the track yeah Nice. Yep. My, I get my adrenaline rush that way. I used to, um, play poker, but I was really bad at it. So uh, <laughs> I can was, attest to that. Yeah. Lindsay knows I get real bored after about like a half hour and that's like a really bad <laughs> trait for somebody playing poker. All yeah. in. We just got twos all in. Um, <laughs> let's make, let's be over. Um, but no, I do, I race at the track and it's the adrenaline rush I need and it's less stressful than real estate. Um, so go figure. I mean, this is the most stressful job. I swear it, um, that yeah. anybody could have. There's so many peaks and valleys, highs and lows yeah. within an hour of our, our work day. It's just insane. So that's, that's the stress relief I need on the weekend. So. So tell us a little bit about the Colorado Springs market. So like what's average sales price? What, what is your team doing? I'm sorry. Um, so right now our market is in kind of a famine state. There's no houses. Um, and when a house comes in the market, there's like five agents um, waiting with pugil sticks in the front yard um, to get into that house. Probably now today, there's probably about 15 out there waiting in a snowstorm to get into a house. It's priced under 300. 300 is kind of our great equalizer here. So at 300,000 and above, um, probably to 400, you've got probably five people waiting for that house at any given time. Um, under 300, there's, it looks like an immigration checkpoint outside of that house. It's insane. Wow. Um, so our market's pretty crazy. Um, my personal average sales price, um, I don't specialize in the higher priced houses. I mean, I still do them. They're just not my people, right? So I specialize in you know, between 275 and 450. Those, those are my people. If anybody thinks about listing a house in that price point, I know about it. Um, that's, that's my specialty. So, um, I do come from the new build world, just like Lindsay. I used to work with her for a bit and we were very competitive and that was super fun <laughs> to have somebody that actually can keep up. Right. So every time Lindsay would put something on the board, I was like, that ain't going to happen very long. So <laughs> I'm not going home until I put something on the board. That ain't happening. Um, but no, so, uh, I come from the new build world. So lots of construction background I built, um, and designed 
modular homes in Pennsylvania, Delaware, Maryland, um, East Coast, like real East Coast. Um, and then I moved out here um, to be with my husband and um, started working for new builders here. And um, after that, I kind of reached my glass ceiling. So um, got to that ceiling and then decided got to start my own brokerage. So I never worked for any other brokerage. I just started my own. And um, based on treating people the way I wanted to be treated and, and teaching people, you know, what I wanted to be taught and learning the business organically um, on my own, the residential side, it's very different from the construction side of things. So learning all of that on my own was a challenge. So now I do work with my husband too. Um, he's an employing broker for our company. He takes care of all the stuff that my real estate brain can't figure out. Um, my social brain, he does all the stuff that I can't do. He's really good at computer stuff, getting our website set up, all the back end things, keeping me out of jail, which is like a full time <laughs> job. Um, <laughs> dealing with attorneys. That's like, that's what he does. Um, which is really a full time job for sure. Um, but yeah, he's, he's awesome. I wouldn't be able to do what I do and be able to help the people I help without him. Right. I'm, I'm the same way. We're, we're the same in that aspect because my husband does the same thing. Like he, yeah. he's on the back end doing the back end stuff and trying to keep me locked down is what I should say. <laughs> I think it's very, very difficult to be married to people like us. And I can't thank him enough for giving me the space I need and calling me on my shit when I need it. Yep because nobody else does it because they're afraid they're yep. afraid of me and I don't I don't understand that they treat it I don't I don't know if you guys get this or not um some of you probably do I bet Kristen does but people are terrified of me and I don't understand it me too and I don't get it I'm like why <laughs> I bet Lindsay gets it too I think they're intimidated but they don't know how to say that they just say they're afraid no I've <laughs> never I've never had that in my entire life so I get you're a dumb blonde girl who what? doesn't know anything about anything. You smile too much. How can you take life seriously when you're laughing and saying stupid jokes all the time? I'm the exact opposite. Nobody ever thinks I'm serious and nobody ever has any idea who I am. And Jess and I were just talking about this yesterday. I get people are rude every day. Don't forget to sign your contract, Lindsay. Don't forget to put this amendment in. Like I have never written a deal before in my entire life. And I've never. And Lindsay's like, I closed more deals on Tuesday than you did all last <laughs> year. Can you leave me alone? <laughs> right, right. I would never say that though. Like I literally am just like. Sign it for you. It's okay. Sure. Yeah, right, good. Right. I'll sign. Yeah, I, I won't forget to sign that contract, sir. You're right. Yeah. No, my Eric tells me that all the time. He's like, Kristen, people are scared of you. And I'm like, why? Just yeah. talk to me. I don't get it. I don't see it. Yeah, no, I get that a lot. I had a conversation earlier this week with someone I shared with you guys, uh, and I was told that they didn't come to me sooner because they were intimidated by me. And I said, right. on you. I said, I'm not apologizing for your perception of things. I've never done anything to make you feel intimidated by me, and, and right. I'm not going to apologize for it. That's on you. There's right. a big difference between you being intimidated and somebody being intimidated by you. Right. Mm -hmm. right. right. Exactly. Exactly. I think, too, um, that bitch word is thrown around a lot. because people don't understand, um, you know, how to use the proper words. They don't understand that, yeah, I'm, I, I work really hard. I'm a powerful businesswoman, right? So automatically that's scary for somebody and they don't know how to refer to me or how to interact with me. So they just call me bitch. And that's fine. I think it's endearing. I really don't care. I take it as a compliment um, because I assume that they don't get it, right? Same. So I'm used to it at this point. So, right. But 
for other women out there that are going through that, you're not the only ones. It, it happens to all of us. Um, the second you become relevant and you become a threat, you're automatically a bitch. I might as well add it to my business card, I think, right? <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah, I also think too, the older you get, the less it bothers you. Like I oh, don't, yeah. don't care what anybody says about me. Like I, I have great friends as proven yeah. right here. I've got a great fan. Who cares? I right. Good chat. I probably think you're stupid, which is way worse than being a bitch. So I, I have to say something because growing up in the real estate world, when I was working with Kevin, there was this one realtor and I won't name her, but I hated to call her. I thought she was just the meanest woman. And now that I have my real estate license and I'm still dealing with her, she's still in our market. I look back and I'm like, I get it. I now know why you are the way you are. I get it. Yes. I almost kind yes. of want to apologize to her. I kind of yes. almost call her and be like, this is how I feel. I get it. Like this That's the thing. That's the thing I've talked about a lot. So like, all the time in all these big, huge Facebook groups, you'll hear and see people posting, this agent doesn't answer their phone. This agent doesn't do that. This, and like, I understand that there really are some of those agents out there, but how about we just give each other like all a break? Like I work almost a hundred hours a week. And yes, sometimes I struggle with getting back to people immediately. It's not like I'm sitting on my ass and doing nothing. Right. The time. right. So, People, I don't understand why it's so combative. We're supposed to be cooperating brokers. That's what co-op, that word <laughs> you get paid for means. It means cooperating with the other side. So I don't understand why everybody has to be like just always assuming that the person on the other side of the transaction is less than them and doing bad. It just, or out to get them. Yeah. yeah, I don't we know. We all have the same goal. We all have the exactly. Same. Yeah, exactly. Give people a break, man. So for... Piggybacking on that, um, I think that for a lot of realtors, the hardest part of the transaction or the least favorite part is dealing with the other broker. And I don't understand why we all have such a problem getting along when we all have the same goal to get to the closing table. Well, we should all have the same goal of getting to the closing table and getting our clients the home that they want and our sellers selling the house they want, you know, for the amount of money they want. Why is that so hard? Why is it always an issue? It seems like right. every almost right. like a real estate dick measuring contract. Right. Right. Submit a contract and it's who's going to, you know, step up and take over the transaction and lead the rest of the transaction and who's going to fall in line. And that's the most frustrating thing for me to watch. It's the second for me, the second that somebody starts giving me their resume and how they're better than me, it triggers something in my brain that is not positive and I don't know how to shut it off. So I just don't respond. Same with a lot of ego. A lot of people in this business. Yeah. yeah. Especially, um, I'd say the last five years because a bull, make, a bull market makes everybody a genius, right? So oh, right. you've got all these people running around that think that they're God and it's not fun to work with. I want to know what Jess does for fun. I don't think we talked about that. Yeah, Jess, what do you do? Um, I'm like the sledding at midnight. Huh? <laughs> sledding at midnight. Um, I don't, I feel like it's such a weird question at this point in my life. Cause I feel like for fun, I sit in the bleachers at baseball with the other baseball moms drinking white claws because that's how we roll these days. Right. Right. Um, no, but I mean like for me, honestly, like doing nothing is mm -hmm. what I like to do for fun. I, you know, like when someone invites you to do something and you're like, yeah, I've got nothing going on. I have nothing going on that I'm looking forward to. That doesn't mean I'm available yeah. to come play with you. Right. So true. Um, so for me, it's hanging out at home and 
pajamas, which I love and watching crap TV and, and eating junk food and being left alone for a little bit. Like it's like okay. in the world. Real question. How many out of the four of us right now are business on top and pajamas on the bottom? Just out of curiosity. Totally. I have sweatpants on right now. So if you're just Thanks. listening to audio, that's three out of four hands raised. And if you're <laughs> this is all party. Track, I'm all I'm like in a 1999 kilo velour tracksuit. <laughs> does it say juicy on your butt? Um, it does not. Oh my I, god. It is not. Um, I do not have the JLo body to go. With. <laughs> You have a pretty J, juicy a J, J, right? on one side and the ICY on the other. <laughs> You've got a pretty juicy butt. So again, like if you don't know the four of us all that well, we're really balanced, which makes me laugh. So like you've got Jessica and Kristen who consistently work out, are fit, are into all that stuff. And then you've got Angela and I that are like fitness, fitness, this Chick-fil-A. I'm Popeyes, whatever. She's Chick-fil-A in my mouth. So, I shotgunned yeah. a can of ready wit before this. So. <laughs> she was. She was. We took a yeah. picture to document. I, we got proof. I told you about it though, so I have ownership <laughs> in this too. He egged me on. Know. I think I'll do anything once. So peer Who pressure. Know how to squirt whipped cream in your mouth at this age in life? No, like, she was I, eating a cookie, and I was like, "Do you want to know what's really good with that type of cookie? Cool Whip." And she mm. got the ready whip out of the fridge and did. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Lindsay, what is your go-to snack that you have to have every, like, as, like, your guilty pleasure snack? All of them. All the snacks. No. Um, okay. I'm like, it's got to be salty, sweet, salty. Mm -hmm. That's how I got to It's like a sandwich of snackiness. Um, sour candy is like my jam. What Chocolate. kind? Um, okay. Really? Yeah. Sour, sour? Okay. So it's, I, if I'm eating candy, it's Sour Patch Kids, hot tamales, and then like a piece of chocolate, like a crunch bar or Twix or something like that usually. Um, I love popcorn. We mm. watch a lot of movies, so I eat a lot of popcorn. Have you tried the Twix popcorn that Jess told me about that I can't stop buying from Sam's Club right now? Oh my God. No, I haven't tried that. So Ryan's Aunt Debbie in Michigan taught me this recipe for, um, it's like marshmallow pop. It is, it's the best thing I've ever had in my entire life. It takes 30 seconds to make in the microwave. It's like marshmallow caramel popcorn. It's So if you have something you want to say to Lindsay, um, make sure that you say it with hot tamales and popcorn and probably a little bit of chocolate and some Sour Patch Kids. Um, Kristen, if you say kale, I swear to God. Oh, no. No. Oh, no. Uh, no, I am totally into Snickers, chocolate cake, chocolate brownies, and then gummy bears. I love gummy bears. Gummy bears. I like Haribo eat. gummy bears or? Just regular like, gummy bears. Just regular like the generic bears. ones that taste funny. Not the generic Jess, ones. Jess is embarrassing for her stash of sweet tarts. Holy I shit. No. Do you have it? Can we see it? Do you have no, it? I was actually just looking because I was totally going to pour it <laughs> I don't have it in here right now. Um, I am Fail. sour sweet tarts to the point where like I eat them to where my tongue bleeds. Same. I do like, that with pineapple. Fast, like too. I can't yeah. stop. And then I'll come downstairs. Mentally unsuitable. Like salt. And, I love salt and vinegar chips and queso. What? Together? Oh no, my god. That's why I have to go to the gym. <laughs> I eat like a psycho. I eat like a teenage boy whose parents are out of town and love. <laughs> That's not salt and vinegar chips and queso. That sounds Girl, really good. don't knock until you try it. <laughs> I'm coming over. No, you gotta try it. It's literally like amazing. And like, I can't eat a sandwich if it doesn't have chips on it. It has, yeah. 
Taylor Swift, we were watching the documentary the other night and Taylor Swift takes her tortilla chip and puts it in the burrito. Yes. It doesn't show you what a genius she is. I just don't know what it does. French fries and Frosties. Or oh, that's to die for. And the bummer is it's snowing so hard right now. I can't go anywhere for a snack. No. Angela, what about you? What do you snack on? Uh, what don't I snack on? <laughs> I mean, I am like the picture of hell. Um, but like not the picture you're thinking of. The opposite of that. Like right now, I'm currently eating these. Those are amazing. Those are so good. Oh, no, no, no. Those are um, so good. Anytime a new Oreo comes out, I'm on it like white on rice, ready for it. Um, I like Oreos. I like yes. donuts. I'm an uh, equal opportunity snacker. I'll eat it all. I love Chick-fil-A, Polynesian sauce. Like, she needs to be, know. I'm not even joking. Like, I think she needs to be sponsored by Chick-fil-A. We need to make right? that happen. I eat so right? much Chick-fil-A. I was invited to like the inner sanctum of Chick-fil-A, like to their headquarters. They invited me because I eat so much of that shit. And because uh, you advertise them for free. I do. All day long. I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah you they do. sponsor my office. <laughs> I feel like they owe me a lot rent or something or, or <laughs> a year of um, free so, like, I love sour candy too like love it um but I only like watermelon sour candy I also like Ooh. jelly beans yeah I like jelly beans. So, I, I like jelly beans but I don't like the Russian roulette of is this popcorn or, oh. or booger or whatever yeah that's gross yeah toasted marshmallow jelly beans can f right off I'm sorry they, they ruin my life they're gross I love popcorn. Like my my ultimate mix is popcorn jelly beans, margarita jelly beans, watermelon and cherry all together. Probably with some licorice ones in there. The black licorice. Oh, licorice! Yeah. Oh. You love are it. like the love one person in the universe that likes black licorice. That just yeah. makes me gag. Love it. It's like Jaeger. It tastes yeah. Every time I have ever tried to take a shot of Jaeger in my life, which has been a long time, but I put it in there because <laughs> I like the smell and I'm like, oh, this won't be bad. And then it's in my mouth and I'm like, ew, I, it needs to come out right now. It's disgusting. <laughs> no licorice. No one I know eats licorice. I love good and plenty. Those are like my my night nightstand snack. I feel like we're getting divorced today. That's disgusting. Right? <laughs> what is wrong with you? All right. Oh, so speaking of divorce. Um, the four of us are all driven, like crazy, crazy, crazy driven. And people probably don't know that that probably comes from a not so good place, right? So I assume, I think all four of us are from, from families of divorce, right? Yeah? I am. Um, I am. So when you find a group of people that are this driven, they've chosen to either let that nasty, ugly thing drive them or consume them and feel bad about themselves about it and dwell on it. And we've all decided to take it and fuel us to be better. Um, and I think that that drive to never want to be in that place um, and be in a place where you're trying to figure out if you're going to be able to eat tonight, you know, I, I don't ever want to go back to that. That's why I work as hard as I do because I don't want to have to worry about whether or not my kids are gonna have jelly for their peanut butter and jelly sandwich, or if it's just yeah. gonna be straight up peanut butter because we couldn't afford the jelly this week. Like I'm not going back to that place. Um, I will do whatever it takes. I'll work 400 hours um, straight until I can't sleep anymore, you know, just to make sure that we don't have to have that problem. You know, I, my mom worked really, really, really hard. I'm sure your, your parent family did too, to make sure that we had something. 
And I have been so incredibly grateful to my mom for everything that she gave me. Um, one of the coolest things I got to do in the last few years is I bought her a house. And that was like, for me, that was like one of the goals that I was so excited to achieve. And um, so going to visit her last year and seeing that house um, and what she's done to it is really, um, really a cool oh, thing for me. So That's awesome. Um, I have a question. Yeah. So starting with Kristen, I'd like to ask everybody, um, when you're all said and done, what do you hope that your kid says about you? What's the legacy that you hope that you leave behind for him? Mm. Oh my gosh, that's a good question. I mean, I, I hope he, I hope he sits back and looks and be like, my mom was a badass mom. If he can say that, I'm good. I think you're a badass mom. Well, thank you. What about you, Jess? What do you hope that the boys say about you? It's funny because Colin, who's 19, he said to me the other day, we were sitting in the kitchen talking about something and Colin said, you know, mom, the older I get, the more I appreciate everything that you did for me. And I think like, you know, we don't get to hear that, right? It's got to feel good, especially from our teenagers, but he's getting older. He gets what happened and he, he gets how hard it was. And so honestly, if my kids can look back at any point and say, I just appreciate everything my mom did for me. Like, I think that's what I want. And for my husband to be like, God, my wife's hot. <laughs> I hope Kaylin says, my mom really loved me and God bless her soul. She left me enough money for therapy to fix all the shit she messed up. <laughs> what about you, Ange? What do you hope that your kids say? I just want them to be proud of me and understand that, you know, me not being around all the time when they were growing up wasn't because I wanted to be away. It was because I wanted to make sure that they were set up financially for their future. And I want them to realize it's sacrifice and I want to leave a legacy to them. You know, I, I don't want them to have to worry about where their next meal is going to come from ever in their life. So, um, yeah, I just want to be proud of me probably like all of us. So, well, um, I think that you guys have learned enough about all of us today. Um, nobody cried. Well, I kind of did a little bit. Like I got we to, almost got there. We almost did it. Um, so we'll save that for next time. But thank you guys so much for watching us. We really, really, really loved um, sharing a little bit of ourselves with you. And we hope to see you guys next week. Bye, Bye guys. Everybody. We hope you loved our show today. If you enjoyed it, do the homegirls a favor and leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen. Share this episode with all of your homegirls and friends and find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at homegirlsco.